Hey, everybody, I am Stephanie Goff, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, I am very excited to be joined by an Uncharted community member, friend, and colleague. Uh, Amanda Schwarzwalder is a CVPM. She is an RVT. In fact, she has got a whole alphabet soup behind her name, as you'll learn as we get into this episode. But I asked Amanda to come on the podcast uh, this week for so many reasons, least of which is that she is a, a VTS in behavior. And we got a question in the mailbag uh, from someone who is working on their technician license. And they had a question about um, behavior and pets. And the first person I thought of was Amanda. And so I'm super excited to have her jump in and guest host with me this week as we tackle this mailbag topic about being nervous potentially around some of our patients. This was a fun one. I hope you guys enjoy it. Now, let's get into it. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Stephanie Goss, and I am joined this week, not by Dr. Andy Rourke, but by, but by my friend and colleague. And I'm really excited for you all to meet Amanda, because I'm not sure that all of you have had the opportunity. And she is amazing. Uh, we have an Uncharted community member and uh, a CVPM. Are you an RVT, LVT, mm-hmm. CVT? Uh, RVT. Which, oh. RVT. Yep. Amanda has the entire alphabet suit behind her name. So I'm not even going to try and name the letters because uh, (laughs) Miss Amanda Schwarzwalder, who is here with me today, is a technician, practice manager. You are a VTS in behavior, which is why you're here, because we're going to have a conversation about a mailbag uh, thing that came through. And I was like, oh, this is right up your alley. Uh, But but Amanda Schwarzwalder, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am excited to have you. And I have to ask you a question because I mm-hmm. was looking at your bio and I'm like, okay, CVPM, I know that, RVT, mm-hmm. KPA, what is that? So Karen Pryor Academy, certified okay. training partner. So, yep. So I've okay. been through a formal uh, trainer's program to be an animal trainer. Multiple okay. Species. And so, CTP, which, yep, that's what the, is that? That's the certified training partner that goes with the KPA. Okay. Yep. okay so those two are the yep. training ones and then VTS mm-hmm. and behavior. Yep. And so you told me a fun fact when we were getting ready about the letters behind your name. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I also, yeah, yeah. So I have a few more letters because um, I'm also a fear free certified um, elite. And so okay. by the time you put like all the jumble of letters together with my first name and my last name, I am only missing like four or five letters from the alphabet. Um, so that's my new gig when I lecture is on the title screen. It's like, these are the letters that are missing. If you know a credential that contains these, let me know. <laughs> So, because then I will have the whole alphabet. It'll be a complete set. So that's, oh that'd be great. So, I love yeah. it. I love it <laughs> so, so much. Um, so tell uh, tell our audience, because um, you are in the Midwest, and then mm-hmm. I know you have done um, speaking, and our Uncharted community knows you, but tell, um, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am a practice manager for the behavior clinic. So we are a specialty behavior practice uh, in the Cleveland area. And so I have two board of veterinary behaviorists uh, that are part of our team, our our business owner, and then um, an associate. And then we also have, I'm losing track, I think I'm up to five RVTs. I've got one other VTS behavior um, and then some other uh, trainers. We're a team of 14. 
14 now, which has okay. been crazy. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we do animal behavior. So we do mostly dogs and cats um, primarily. Okay. Occasionally we get horses. Occasionally we get birds. Uh-huh. Um, and I've also gotten to do some really cool work with raptor rehab. Um, I've also gotten to do um, wolves and coyotes and otters are my favorite. I love oh. otters. They're uh-huh. so cool. Um, yeah. And so it's been, it's been a lot of fun. We've gotten to help like bobcats learn how to give blood and um, do some consulting with zoos and things. So it's, it's oh, been a really awesome. fascinating ride. Um, so sometimes can't believe it. I feel like we could just do an episode and like hear your story and your stories. I think about some of them your- might have to get like legal permission <laughs> from clients, <laughs> but they're really funny. I've got some really good oh, ones. Oh <laughs> gosh, that is so awesome! So I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. And um, y'all, I thought of Amanda immediately because I got a mailbag letter, and when I first got it, I will admit I was kind of uh, I was like, I got a put this on the back burner because it doesn't feel uh, like it's right up Andy and I's alley. And then I was thinking about who would be, uh, who would be someone good. Um, and we've been doing some episodes while Andy or I have been on vacation where we've had guest hosts. And I was like, Amanda would be perfect for this one. Uh, because we got a mailbag letter from a young technician intern who is working on their, uh, technician license and they are about to do, uh, their internships. And, um, they are, uh, they are a little bit nervous and we're asking about some tips for becoming comfortable with animals because, uh, they said, you know, I'm, I'm reasonably comfortable around dogs. I've had dogs, uh, growing up and I, I have friends with, with dogs in their homes. I feel like I know enough about the basics of canine body language and I can kind of tell when they're uncomfortable. And they said, you know, I've never had a cat, but again, I have, um, and I don't want one because our current dog has a prey drive. And I was like, good for you recognizing that. Like that's that's a step in the right direction. And they were like, but I have friends who have cats and I don't feel like I'm as good reading their body language, but I'm a lot less nervous with them. And they said, but you know, I feel like I'm really nervous around the larger animals and I'm getting ready to kind of move into the step of my uh, program where I'm going to do my large animal internship and get experience with them. And so they said, you know, I'll pet a large animal, but I don't ever feel completely comfortable. And so they uh, reached out and were asking for tips on how to be comfortable around the the pets that make them nervous because they said, you know, I feel like as a technician, I should know the basics of handling a whole variety of species and not just necessarily dogs and cats. And so I was like, oh, this will be a fun one. Uh, I feel like both Amanda and I probably can get into some stories about... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about being a technician and and nerves and comfort. And so um, we're going to, I told Amanda, we're just going to dive into this one in true uncharted uh, podcast fashion. And we'll talk about some headspace things for all with all of you. And then we'll uh, do some action steps And Amanda's got some great resources. And so we'll have set links in the show notes and everything for everybody. But um, I'm, I'm excited to dive into this one with you, Amanda. Yeah. Well, and I love that in, in the mailbag letter that they were actually willing to like, Con- contemplate willing to get a cat in order to learn more about cats. And I'm just like, you can't do that with every species. <laughs> so, no, not at all. <laughs> or you would have learn a more. Zoo. I would, yeah, you would have a zoo. Uh, but it's great that we've got that level of commitment. So uh-huh. I love mm-hmm. that. So Yeah. 
Absolutely. So, okay. So from a headspace perspective, I think um, you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording. I think both of us are in total agreement that I love this letter because this is totally normal. And so I think there are people who are going to listen to this podcast episode and see themselves in it, whether it's themselves now in their career or themselves at one point in time. And I know that's how I felt when I read it. I was like, oh, I, I remember that point in my technician's program where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid of these things. And I'll be, I've been honest on the podcast about things that I'm still afraid of as a technician. Um, and that's things that I have now put into my deal breaker category. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, and there are so many things and if fear is, is normal, it's normal to be nervous. It's normal to be, you know, concerned. And I love that it also comes from a, a this person's writing from this perspective of, I want to know how to be better. I want to know how to feel safe um, and be safe in these environments, because that's, that's someone who's going to be a really great technician. They're asking right questions before they get into those situations. Um, whereas suddenly they are in that externship and they're like, okay, today you're palpating a cow um, and having to go, I've never touched a cow in my life. What do you mean? Um, so it's, it's great that they're thinking ahead. Um, I love that. Uh, and I love that, you know, they're able to say, hey, this makes me comfortable and this makes me uncomfortable. So we've got a really good place of self-awareness and where their skills are right now. Um, and I think that's the one thing as a technician, you're in school. I love it. We're in school. We're in school to learn. And I think that's the biggest thing is to remember that in that process, there are things you're going to get to and you'll get there. Yeah. It takes time depending on where that large animal component is in your program. Um, but yeah. at least we've got some resources and, um, lots of things we'll talk about a little bit later. Well, and I mean, think about it, like the possibilities in veterinary medicine. And I remember feeling this when I started my my tech program, I was working in a small animal GP. So there were species that we were seeing in the practice every day. And I knew I was going and we actually had um, mixed mixed animals. So I knew that I was seeing that in the practice. So I was not as uncomfortable about that. But I knew that there's a whole variety of career options out there in vet med. And thinking about my colleagues, we at the time I was in California and you're in the Bay Area. And I had friends who were technicians for the um, we had a, several zoos in the area. And so I had technician friends who were working at the zoo. And I thought when they went to school, they didn't have in school, the learning opportunity with the species that they're now working with, like that's right. not a part of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, if if it was, if we covered every animal species on the planet, we would be in school for 10 years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. We have such a small timeline for veterinary technician right. education. It's a, it's a two-year program. Some places are 16 months, 18 months, and then we do have some of the four-year programs. But I mean, I'm a specialist in behavior. The amount of behavior that I was given in that that two-year time frame um, was very, very little. Um, and so that's, I think, a really good point of remembering that like, you're not going to get everything that you need to know in school. Um, you're going to have to go out and find education for yourself, um, especially when you've got passion areas that you want to invest more time in. Um, or, again, being self, um, you know, able to self-realize like what you need more help with. Because um, mm -hmm. like for me, I'm a CVPM. I always need more help with finance. <laughs> so 
<laughs> I mean, it's just one of those areas I just always need more help with. Um, but you know, it's you know, HR good. Um, yeah. So it's you're always going to have to figure out where your weaknesses are and where your strengths are, and then do like this person is doing and say, hey, I who can I talk to? Um, who yeah. can I network with? What resources can I find? So yeah, but yeah. yeah, there was no, I didn't get otter class in tech school. Yeah. There was no otter training <laughs> course. No, missed that. Uh, well, and yeah. it's so it's so funny because I remember so I'm I like I was excited to do this episode for a whole variety of reasons, least of all to get to talk to you because you have great stories and uh I knew that I knew that our listeners would love would love you. Um but I remember being a young technician and I had I think I was maybe in my final semester of school um but I'm going to share share a secret with all of you. I was terrified of birds and, um, we share (laughs) I was, I was terrified and no one in the clinic knew my dirty little secret. And we saw birds. We had a, we had a a vet who saw small animals, but she also saw, um, avians and exotics. And so it was a part of our everyday practice. And I had managed successfully to avoid getting on any of her schedule stuff. Um, and I knew that the day was coming where I was going to have to confront the fear. And, um, we had a client of hers who had a, who had a, a, a large bird. Uh, he was a Amazon parrot. Um, and uh, you'll find this uh, funny, I think, ironic as a behaviorist. Um, he had s- some serious feather plucking uh, issues. And um, his dad traveled a lot for work. And so he was boarding with us for an extended period of time. I think he was with us for about a month. Um, and so his uh, enclosure was housed in the office because it was the only place in the clinic that was big enough to <laughs> to put his his cage out. So yeah. yeah, exactly. So at the time, I was working on a big project for uh, Avmark, and I was coming in at like three thirty or four in the morning West Coast time to get on East Coast time to talk to Avmark tech support. And every morning, I would get there and I'd be in the office and I'd be on the server, and he would start talking to me, <laughs> and I sat on the far side of the office from him because I was just even terrified to go. <laughs> close to his cage but nobody nobody knew my dirty Mm -hmm. my dirty little secret and I I he would just keep talking to me keep talking to me and I remember sitting there thinking you know maybe this is a sign maybe it's a time to like try this and get over my fear we're gonna talk about this when we get into action steps but I knew logically that when you have a fear part of getting over it is only you know is only facing it and then desensitizing yourself to it. And so I remember sitting in that office and like being 10 feet apart from him and literally being afraid he was going to get me, even though I knew that was illogical. <laughs> and I was just he like... He has a key. He can open the yeah. door. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, please don't, please don't hurt me. So like, I think, you know, this is, this is totally mm-hmm. normal. And I'm going to save the other half of my story for when we get to action steps, because it has to do with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, facing the fear. But yeah. Um, it, I, it's totally normal. And I think everybody yeah. has that. What, is, is there mm-hmm. a, is besides birds, which you it know, seems like we may share. Birds, birds and um, snakes, not really a snake fan. Um, and we had one client who used to breed boa constrictors. Uh, and so I had to start with the baby snakes. Um, and I'm still not a snake fan, but I can, I can be okay. And I actually married someone who uh, loves tarantulas. And when we started dating uh, Mr. Snuggles, 
a little pink toed, little pink toed tarantula um, that was the size of your hand. Um, and it was Mr. Snuggles because it was the most friendly of his pets. Um, and uh, yeah, so so there was a lot of there. There was some chocolate involved, and yeah, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah, we're good. No, it was, it was, he wants a much larger one, but we, I'm, I'm not to that point in my spider therapy. Okay. Okay. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to circle back to that because there's, there's some stories there. Um, So, so first piece, like we recognize, right. Mm -hmm. That this is totally normal. And I love your point about um, not only is it normal and I so appreciate uh, the the writer who said this because it's um, healthy. And you, you said something to me when we were getting, uh, ready uh, to start recording that I think is is really important. We were talking about it being healthy and you were talking about particularly in the context of large animals, yeah. why fear is is a little bit right. healthy and important. Yeah. I mean, it's healthy whether it's whether we're talking about large animals, small animal, bird spiders, or um, or even like when it comes to you know, doing things like getting in front of a crowd and speaking. I mean, you want to have some sort of a little bit of like anxiety because that's what's going to keep you safe. It's men. I mean, your amygdala is there for a reason. It has a job. Its job is to keep you from doing things that are going to harm yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And so when we're walking up to, you know, that bowl that's in the pasture, you know, we want to have that little bit of like, okay, you need to be aware. You need to be watching. You need to be cautious. Um, because when you're working with a large animal and they step on your foot, they can break your foot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just shifting their weight. But that's going to be a much greater injury that you're going to sustain compared to when you're working with a Great Dane in a room and they step on your foot. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's not going to take a whole lot for you to get hurt when we're working, working with large animals. So again, a little bit of awareness of that kind of like, this makes me a little cautious mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is good. And it's the same thing when I'm coaching my technicians in our in our consult rooms. If you're ever to the point where you are not a little bit worried when you're seeing that dog that has a multiple bite history um, and it's got a history of pinning technicians in in the, mm-hmm. the vet clinic and biting the doctor, um, you need to have that because that's what's going to keep you and your doctor safe while you're providing care so that pet can get better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not that you don't want to believe that mm-hmm. they can be trusted, Correct. but you should always be yeah. aware, you know, because that's, yeah. I mean, that's what I love about what you do is that the idea that we can learn new behaviors mm-hmm. and we can desensitize yeah. and we can train um, away from behaviors that we may have learned. And at the same time, mm-hmm. that awareness is so, so important to always, always keep with you. And it's, yep. it's so healthy for you. And I love yeah. that you train your team on that. That's awesome. Yeah. We always spend a lot of time with that. It's the same reason, like when I'm lecturing, if I ever am doing something like the podcast or, or like a lecture, if I'm ever not a little bit anxious or excited, then I probably shouldn't be doing it because maybe I don't care as much about what the outcome is, you know, I know. and I, I want my people to care. Um, it's, so, yeah, it, that is so, so, so true. People, I think, are surprised um, when they actually learn, because I mean, this is what I do now for a living. And I do the podcast every week and I am on stage and I've spoken in front of hundreds of people mm-hmm. and like, but I still the stage fright is real and it, I, it has, yep. it, Andy's very proud of me because it has gotten better, but like I, I will tell people I still throw up 
before yep. every time because that's just my body's response. I'm yep. just, it's the nerves and the anxiety and that excitement, you know, mm-hmm. and even now that the excitement outweighs the the nerves and the anxiety about my performance mm-hmm. and like, am I going to trip yeah. and fall on my face? I still have that, that, mm-hmm. ang- that energy and it's my body's way of, of dealing with it. And I have, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. You need that. I mean, that's where it's like, I, I did some um, time at Wolf Park in Indiana. And yeah, Yeah. when you're going into the enclosure with a large wolf, um, I mean, you are definitely feeling not super comfortable. So, um, especially Even if they, you're excited about on the log next to you, face level, um, you know, you're just kind of like, okay, this is really exciting, but I might die. So yeah. it's just, it's a very different, different sort. But it's, again, it's there to keep you safe. Um, yeah. It's there to keep you from turning around going, oh, hi, cute Wolfie and smooching it on the nose. Um, because that won't go well. <laughs> uh, so Wolfies don't like that. It's not, not their thing. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I want to, I want to, uh, that what you just talked about dovetails into, I think the next Mm -hmm. thing from headspace perspective, which for me, um, is uh, with thinking about my, my own career, my own experiences, like I think about the things that I was nervous about, or I was even Mm -hmm. truly afraid of. I think that some of the moments of greatest, the, the most moments of great achievement in my career, a lot of them or the moments that gave me a measurable pride came from um, facing up to some of those fears and those Mm -hmm. discomforts. And like, you know, getting, I remember getting on stage for the first time in Mm -hmm. front of hundreds of people and it was terrifying and also exhilarating, Mm -hmm. you know, walking into an enclosure with a wolf and having Mm -hmm. that experience. I would be terrified. Yeah, it's but terrifying, also, like, but it's what amazing. A rush. It is. Yeah. It's a total rush. I mean, it's the same thing when you think about when you start out as technicians, the first time you're learning to place a catheter and you're like, okay, how many zillions of pieces of tape do I need? And this is really stressful. And am I going to hit the vein? And like, oh, shoot, now it's bleeding everywhere. What do I do with that? Where's that darn cap go? You know, and, and then you're like, you're getting that catheter on that little neonatal kitten that's super dehydrated and it looks terrible and you get it Mm -hmm. in and you're like, score. Mm -hmm. Um, I did it. You get that big surge of confidence. And again, it's that fulfillment of you did learn it, you got the skill and you nailed it. Um, And you're comfortable. Yeah. You know, is that that pride of feeling like you've Mm -hmm. taken, you've taken a skill something mm-hmm. that you've studied that you've learned because the skills and this is this is my my next piece is like the skill gets you so far you know you learn yeah. you have all the theory you have all the bookwork and i it's one thing to know it in my mm-hmm. head and i can i can recite it backwards and forwards and i'll be honest like this is the kind of technician i was i am very book smart the book learning came very easy to me the actual doing was very, was hard. Mm -hmm. And I had to really put time and effort and energy into the doing because there was a physical, that the skills come with practice. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was, when I went to school, I was working at the front desk. And so I wasn't in the exam room every day. I wasn't getting the the hands in, the hands on day in, day out experience. And so that those skills were a lot slower in coming for Mm -hmm. me. And so to your point, I still get that, that excitement and that pride, like even in the small things like hitting a jugular. Yes. <laughs> was, 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 was thinking, oh my God, it's no, so easy yeah. to hit a jugular. Right. But when you don't, 
do it when every you don't day do it all the it's, time. Yeah. It's that excitement of I have the, the knowledge, I know right. how to do the thing. Mm-hmm. And I have the skills to do it. And that brings the achievement and, yeah. and the pride in what we I mean, I think that's part of why we do what we do. Right. Yeah. Well, and we get the satisfaction that we actually help we helped an animal. Um, we help them have a better life today, we help them have better care. And and that's what I think a lot of what we do in behavior, especially because we do have these patients who are not, you know, you've got a, a horse and it doesn't not really want the farrier to touch its feet. Um, but if we don't get the fairy to touch their feet, they might get more damage over time um, and become lame. And then we're into a big medical um, concern um, that is now more of a problem. It's going to cost the owner more. The horse is going to be in more pain and discomfort because we didn't have the skill set to get there. Um, and so that desire to help, I think, is a big thing that empowers a lot of us as technicians is like we want to know that we help the animal. We want to know that we did something to to give them care. Um, and you know, cause most of us, I love it. My favorite question is always how many of you in the audience love people, um, when I'm talking to technicians and it's like, you get like five people out of like <laughs> a few hundred. Um, and I mean, my, I love people. I love the people part, but I think that's the biggest thing for most of us is we're in it for the animals. Um, and so being able to do something that, yeah, we got that blood sample. So now we can treat this, treat this dog and uh, we can have the information, know what's going on. I also think that I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I think it's such a good point because I think one of the things that always stuck with me, especially when I was in school and learning was um, I leaned into that discomfort and that fear Mm -hmm. to help the animal. And what I mean by that is that um, there were definitely circumstances where either it was that I was learning a new skill or it was a patient species that I was uncomfortable with. I always, um, I was never afraid to try a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always, I was always okay to say, okay, I've tried it and I, it didn't work. I would rather you experienced preceptor or whoever's with me Mm -hmm. do the thing because this is a critical patient or it's, you know, more emergent or, or whatever. And so I never went in with, they were healthy pets. It never worried me, but that, that um, comfort level for the patient was always at the heart of it for me. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't want my learning to come at their expense. And I think that that's something that a lot of us think about when we're in school because we care Mm -hmm. about our patients and we don't want to harm them. And it's really easy to like practice on the dumb dopey lab that just sits there wagging their tail with their... (laughs) Take my blood, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you got more more cookies. That neonate. Right, that you're that, just yeah. like this is critical we need to hit right. this like let's you know not cause it more harm or discomfort right. so i think that 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 fear factor or that anxiety um spidey senses it feels different mm-hmm. for all of us for right. some of us it is a true uh it is a true fear i've talked on the podcast before about my fear over anesthesia as a technician and mm-hmm. like i would always absolutely say nope i'm going to step out like first thing and i never felt bad about it because for me, it was putting the patient first. Exactly. Yeah. And and it was truly a terror fear level. And I also have other friends who are, there were other things that I did where it was like, okay, this is a little spidey sense tingling, like I feel uncomfortable with mm-hmm. it. But And and so I think that recognizing that that's going to come and go as you learn right. and as you develop skills. And it yeah. can, sometimes it is the true terror. And sometimes it's just the yeah. you know spidey senses tingling, feeling like I'm a little... 
mm-hmm. little uncomfortable in this situation. Yeah. And I think that dovetails in really nicely with behavior because oftentimes I find when I'm working with with vet teams and we're talking about behavior, um, no matter what species, everyone everyone has that feeling like, oh, I was in the room with this patient and I just got this weird feeling like and I was like they weren't comfortable but I can't tell you why. And so that's one of the things with behavior is that we we talk a lot about like we'll pin down the why. You know, why do you think that that patient is uncomfortable? Why do you think that um this isn't going to go well? Um because sometimes we're seeing things that are actually clues that the animal's uncomfortable or that they might display differently if we if we contact them in a certain way or if we get into their space. But we aren't very good at talking to each other about what that is um, because sometimes we don't know because, again, we don't get that in school. Um, So, but it's definitely something, you know, okay, I'm approaching the horse in the paddock. I just have this weird feeling. Um, But being able to go like, well, okay, stop for a second. Go, well, why do I feel this way? Let me look at my patient. Take, take five seconds, look at the ears, the eyes, all these different things. And then you can also have that, okay, I feel this way because this is what I'm seeing um, yeah. in the animal's body language. And then that helps connect you with that. Oh, okay. And over time you go, Ooh, I'm more aware of that. Um, so I'm seeing this as I'm approaching to the paddock. So that is telling me I already need to change some of what I'm doing because I'm now aware of, well, why did I feel weird? It's sure. because I, something in that animal's body language told me to be concerned. Um, yeah. I just wasn't maybe paying attention to it before. And that's yeah. something that's hard. Cause like when we have like in behavior, we have the luxury of hour and a half consultations um, that we're spending a lot of time. Yeah. You know, I've got clients yeah. who send us video from home and all sorts of things versus when you're in a 15 minute appointment or you're on a farm call and you've got to get through, you know, the barn has 30 horses in it. Um, it's very different um, because you might be, you're going through faster. You're going like, eh, I feel weird. I don't know, but we got to get this cat vaccinated. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so let's go. Um, and then later you're going, Oh yeah, they exploded. And there was mm-hmm. a reason they were really upset. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe if hindsight's always 2020. Um, yeah. So yeah. And, and I think that that's a important lesson though, um, from a leadership perspective for me, learning to lean into that with my team and teach everyone, myself included, to trust our instincts. And I I love that as a field, we have become more aware about low stress handling and, um, you know, and, and fear-free techniques. And, um, you know, you certainly can, can speak to this as a fear-free elite, but like, you know, that was one of the things for me with my team is like, if, if you, if your spidey senses tingle, like, listen to that. It is always okay to pause and say, I would love someone else's opinion here, or I'm just going to slow down and sit here with the patient for a minute and see what I see to your point. And I'm going to observe the behavior or to say, "Mm, maybe we should do some drugs and come back at another, you know, at another point in time, even if it's an hour from now versus tomorrow, you know, but like, I think I love that we as an industry are starting to pay attention to that because I think it, it is just as important in your behavior practice as it is in the 15 minute appointment. Because if we don't listen to that, that's when we find ourselves in the world that I think you and I have both been in veterinary medicine long enough. I remember starting and it was cowboy up, man. Just oh, yeah. do, the, do the thing. We got to get it this doesn't done. Matter. <laughs> so yep. Grab three more people. We got to get yep. that emergency board to tell it. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, 27 years in the field, you see a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. But yeah, yeah, but I think that that's, it's a big thing. And I think that even coming from a management perspective, when we have someone like our writer who's aware of their concerns, being able to express those concerns to whoever you're going to be externing with Mm -hmm. is like, hey, I don't have experience with horses and cows um, is really big. And then from the management side of that is us going like, okay, I need to know that because I need to pair you with somebody who is more experienced um, to make sure that you can get some positive learning happening while you're here on this learning adventure of an externship. Um, And then also, you know, if you aren't comfortable being able to empower them to say, at some point, if we're walking in here and you're not comfortable, you need to tell me you're not comfortable so we can change what's happening. Um, Cause that's the same thing with, with a lot of our technicians that we do during training is like, if you feel like you're in over your head, it's okay. Tap out. Um, because you are going to be in over your head at some point. Um, and it's a lot easier to throw you a lifeline while we can still see you <laughs> right. Um, right. before you float away. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Um, so, oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. I so, love yeah. that. But, okay. Yeah. So I said, we were going to circle back to mm-hmm. your relationship and the spider situation. And here's where we're <laughs> going to do it. Because the last thing for me in Headspace is uh, as, as a person in veterinary medicine, just but a person in general, is it's okay to know your limits and it is okay to have deal breakers. And I heart you so much. <laughs> Holy hell. I could not, like spiders, arachnids are a deal breaker for me. And I, I it's so funny because I did not know that about you mm-hmm. or your relationship yeah. or your household. And I'm never coming to your house. I love you so much, but I'm never coming to your house. Um, oh, it's okay. She, she, it passed. So okay. it was, I was like it was 20, 24. I don't know. They live for a long time. So it's a big commitment. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Like you see, Amanda's just talking about it. And I'm just like, Stephanie's cre- just shivering and shaking, like creeping out. Spiders, uh, spiders are a, a deal breaker yeah. for me. And in, in my high school investor, um, yeah. in, in my first practice where we saw avians and exotics, um, I have, I have had that in every one of my practices, but, um, our doctor, Dr. Shaver, um, Marty saw birds and exotics. And I remember vividly when I was in school, having a conversation with her and just being honest and saying, I am terrified of, of spiders. And I was also just like you, I was terrified of birds and I was terrified of snakes. And I said, I think I can work on these two, but spiders are a deal breaker for me. And I said, if you see spiders, I said, I'm, I'm telling you that I, it is so bad for me that I literally cannot be in the building when, when you are going to have someone knowingly come in here. <laughs> so I was just like, <laughs> I'll be in the parking lot. In the parking lot until you're done. And, and it was, and it was okay. And, and so she was just like, that's fine. Cause we have, uh, we had a member on our team. Cause there's always one who was the, uh, you know, I lovingly referred to her, to her as the spider freak who loved the spiders. And she would be in on every one of those appointments if she could. And so it was just like, your, to your point, being able to tap out before you were underwater, for me, I would have panicked. And then it would have been a worse situation for the team because they would have, the tension would be off the patient and on me as the panicker, right? And dealing with whatever comes from from that. I've seen technicians faint, uh, you know, yep. who <laughs> like <laughs> all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the t- attention is not on the patient where it needs to be. And so I think just recognizing for a writer and for anybody who, you know, is in this like 
just because it's all creatures great and small in veterinary medicine doesn't mean that you have to love all creatures great and small and that that has to be your jam. And it is okay for you to draw lines in the sand, whether it's with a type of patient or whether it's, uh, you know, for me with surgery, like that became another deal breaker for me. And I got to the point in my career, not to say that I didn't try it, that I didn't try and face the fear and work through it. And I think it is absolutely okay to know ourselves as human beings and allow ourselves the space to say, this is a true fear for me. And it is not a fear that I'm in a place to deal with and to face or that I'm not equipped to face right now. And so this is a deal breaker. And it might be a deal breaker for right now. But it also sounds like for you might be something that like you're willing to work on and you're willing to, <laughs> the relationship yeah. matters more to you than the fear right. of spiders. Yeah. I mean, and that's something if you, somebody is like really passionate, well, I really, really love this job. Um, and occasionally we have to see birds, um, you know, once my workaround. Um, so it's like, okay, well, we only book birds on the day when Cindy's here because Cindy loves birds. Um, you know, and oftentimes we can come up with some sort of options. You just have to be prepared that sometimes there are emergencies where you might have to see the bird. And that's what happened to me. You had to see the bird. Um, so and it had bugs. And that was actually the part like beaks and the bugs are actually what bothered me uh, more than anything. But um, I ended up doing some work with the raptor rehab. And that was actually super helpful because I'm like, raptors are way more dangerous than parrots. Right. I um, mean, yeah. you, you get an eagle. That's yeah. much, that's much mm -hmm. more dangerous. So yeah. so yeah, so it made those little sun conures just, they're just little sparrows um, compared to some of those other big guys out there. Um, great horned owl. Those are cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, not inviting him for dinner. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he can be outside. That's great. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, when you got to take the time, you got to feed their little mice while they're in recovery and the mm -hmm. rehab. It's, um, but again, you're dealing with wild animals and it's, so again, you want to have that like, eh, I don't know about you, um, but it's, you learn over time. And if it's, again, if birds are your passion, fantastic. You've got the option to find a specialty practice that only does, you know, avians or exotics. I mean, and that's the cool thing about our profession. If there's something that is a deal breaker for you or something you're really passionate about on the opposite side of the spectrum, we have so many options, um, so many things out there that technicians can do. Um, and so it's it's just been really fun to watch the profession grow and change. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. that's one of the, I, I love that you said that because thinking about my um, experience in school. And I know a lot of vets who say the same thing. Like, if you ask me now, I could tell you zero of what I learned to take my boards about cows. Zero. And like, I, yeah. cows, oh, they're so cute. Baby cows in the pasture. Great. Do I want to work with them? Absolutely not. Do I remember any of what I learned? Absolutely not. That's because I chose a path that didn't involve cows. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I remember. Um, so I was on uh, an AHA committee for speaker chairs like way back um, just how long ago, like nutrition wasn't a specialty. And so it was like me, Carol Burn, or, uh, Cara Burns and Harold Davis. Um, and uh -huh. I remember because I'm like in GP learning all the things and, you, you know, you're in school and you're so excited about all this stuff. Um, and Harold just looking, he's like, if you're going to specialize in behavior management, he's like, there's going to come a day where you are not going to know what vaccine your cat needs. She's, he's like, that's me. I do emergency <laughs> cortical care. And yes. if you ask me yes. what vaccine my cat needed, he's like, I can't tell you. <laughs> I know it needs one. I don't know what one. <laughs> so, and I've reached that I point. That I reached so that point much. probably about five years ago. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm just like, oh, Harold was so right. <laughs> Harold's, uh, Harold and Kara are two, they are amazing so human fantastic. beings. Yeah. Um, I have, it's so funny because I am unapologetically a fangirl and as a, just as a human and, and as, uh, in veterinary medicine. And there are people, um, that I, uh, have learned from and looked up to and like when I get to see them talk or I get to see them speak and Kara, Karen Harold are two of those especially growing up uh, with Harold growing up in California he did regular stuff at UC Davis um, and I remember being very young uh, you know grad student Stephanie sitting in a lecture and going oh my gosh he's so smart and I remember the first time at a conference just like standing there having a conversation with uh, my friend Eric Garcia and he's like oh there's Harold and he goes over and talks to him and afterwards I remember telling him oh my god I'm such a fangirl over Harold and he's like oh my god Harold is the nicest human being on the planet like you should go introduce yourself and I was like I can't, I can't. it's just like the little technician fangirl in me I can't, can't do it but it's, it's like I love I love that we just have I love that of course it would come from someone yeah. like him yeah. that would say I mean, it's just like you're gonna get to a point where you just you're just not gonna know and it's okay not to know because you've gained all of this other knowledge you have to at some point replace it yeah I remember walking into my VTNE exam um, and there were people sitting on the lawn this is when you actually had to take it on paper you know back in the day yep. Um, yep. and they were like what's the normal temperature for a chicken and I just remember going like if I have to know the normal temperature for a chicken for this exam like uh, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm cooked. Because <laughs> so, I don't know that. So, I mean, 350 for 45 minutes. I, like, if you're doing chicken breast, I don't know. Um, so, but yeah, I'm like, I can bake it, but I don't know it's normal temperature today. So, yeah, it was, it was a little bit, a little bit challenging. But I mean, that's a good example of, again, you're going to learn so much stuff in school, but you're not going to retain it all. You're going to find other things you focus on. Um, and other things are going to, become more important to you and that's okay um but definitely getting getting the education and learning more about this stuff is important so um i love it okay this feels like a good place to take a quick break and then let's come back and talk about action steps and things that we can do to address our, our concerns and our and our fears and because i like you i agree our writer asked some excellent questions um and i want to make sure that we get to them so let's take a quick break and then we'll come back Hey everybody, if you are a practice owner or a practice manager, listen up, because I've got something for you. If you're not in one of those roles, take a quick break from whatever you're doing and we'll be right back with the podcast. But if you are, I don't want you to miss out because our Practice Leaders Summit is happening in December in Greenville, South Carolina in person and registration is gonna be closing. In fact, it is closing on November the 7th, 2023. And if you have not signed up and you have been on the fence, I'm gonna give you a little bit of incentive. I'm gonna share a coupon code here for you and I want you to use it because I want to see you there. So Practice Leaders Summit is all about working on our practices not in them. And this year we are taking practice owners and practice managers specifically, and we are hoping to bring them all together and let them spend some time separately. So practice owners working with other practice owners, managers working with other managers, because the challenges we face in those roles are so unique. And so we need time and space to be able to work together with our peers and collaborate because no one knows what life is like for us in the clinic better than our peers. And so we're going to do that. And then we're going to bring everybody together. So if you come together with your practice owner, let's say as practice manager or vice versa, we're going to spend time working on your practice. But 
don't fear because if you come by yourself, you will still get the opportunity to work with practice owners or practice managers in small groups so that you can spend the time at the end of the conference really working um, with myself and Andy and Maria and the rest of the Uncharted team, um, working our way through what do we really want 2024 to be about for our practices. And so we're going to tackle some of the big topics. I'm super pumped about this. So we would love to see you there. And I've got a special code for our Uncharted podcast listeners. So if you go to uncharted.com forward slash events and you sign up before the November 7th deadline for PLS and you use this code, it is SG for Stephanie Goss, UVC. So SGUVC20, you will get $20 off your registration for Practice Leader Summit. So if you've been on the fence, if you've been waffling, I haven't shared this on the podcast yet, but I'm throwing it out there. Go to unchartedvet.com forward slash events, sign up for the registration. You can use the code to get it for yourself. You can get it for you and your practice owner or you and your practice manager, but sign up because I want to see you there. And now back to the podcast. Okay, so let's get into some action steps. We talked a lot about Headspace. We talked about, you know, the the main things. Uh, it's totally normal to feel this way. Uh, you know, we feel a sense of pride and uh, achievement when we try things that feel outside of our comfort zone. Our knowledge gives us confidence and practice gives us skill. We don't have to have all the answers and we're not going to know everything coming out of school. Um, and we're going to have to learn a lot of things. And a lot of things we learn, we're going to immediately forget <laughs> or forget over time. Yes. Um, and it's okay to have uh, deal breakers. <laughs> Spiders are mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about some action steps because the questioner writer asked that I thought was a great one, which is how can I become more comfortable around the animals that make me nervous? Yeah. And I think the writer made a really great point of like, well, you know, I have friends who have cats, um, in speaking about that species. And really that's one of the things that I think landed me in behavior was that I grew up on a farm. And so, you know, when you're growing up as a kid in the eighties, you know, we didn't have all this technology. So what were you going to go do? Well, you're going to go play outside. (laughs) um, And I spent a lot of time watching animals and I just found it was fascinating and fun. And still for me, there's nothing more relaxing than walking into a barn and listening to animals like eating feed. Um, It's just a very relaxing sound. Um, And so we had pigs, we had sheep, we had horses, the neighbors had cattle. Um, So I got, I was very lucky in that I got exposed to a lot of those large animals, but you learn a lot from just sitting and watching. Um, And, and that's one thing in behavior. We talk about the field of ethology and ethology is all about sitting and watching um, because you're watching the animals interact with each other. And then you're looking at the body language. What are the ears doing? Eyes, tail, you know, does that animal, is it, is it signaling that it's comfortable or uncomfortable? Are they moving into a space next to someone? Are they moving away? Um, There's like, there's a lot of little pieces and it's fascinating. I know totally geeky stuff, but, um, no, I love <laughs> so, it. so, but that's a way to learn more about a species. You can start with your basics and your body language. And that's, that's the nice part about fear free is we've got the cat, um, section of fear free now available. It's got feline body language. We've got canine body language. And then the new section that was ra- launched recently is equine. Um, so there's mm, fear free okay. equine. And so for people who haven't had much exposure to horses, there are videos in there. There are diagrams. So similar crossover to what's already in there for dogs and cats, um, as far as looking at ears, eyes, tails, body 
posture and positioning. Um, mm-hmm. It's for horses. Um, and so that's something else that's, that's out there. Um, so there are lots of tools in that department, but mm-hmm. just spending mm-hmm. some time. I mean, if you have a local shelter and you're not super comfortable with cats, um, there are a bunch of shelters by us that would love for people to come in and clean kennels or just play with mm-hmm. kittens. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, we have a shelter less than two minutes from our practice and, um, I have a pass. <laughs> so when I'm having a stressful management day, I mm-hmm. can go over and knock mm-hmm. on the door and go play with kittens for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great mm-hmm. therapy. Um, yeah. but there, they would love to have you come. And so just like we have small animal rescues, there are large animal rescues. Um, and a lot of people don't really think about that, but there's a whole community for large animal rescue where you can go and again, get a chance to interact with some of those species in a different setting that's lower stress than during an internship or during class where you're like, oh shoot, this is my only chance to draw blood on a pig. Um, you know, you can actually go out and meet a pig, pet a pig, talk Mm -hmm. to a pig, read a book Mm -hmm. to a pig. Um, you Mm -hmm. can, you can have a different interaction Mm -hmm. and just sit and watch. Um, we're really lucky by us. Um, there's what's called Lake Farm Park, um, and it's a large animal, um, sanctuary. Um, Mm -hmm. and they also have farm animals there for educational purposes for the community. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. when I think about it, you know, even when I was teaching in tech school, I taught, um, one of the, the large animal courses. And I love that class because again, I'm teaching tech school in Cleveland. Most of my students mm-hmm. had like full sleeves, multiple piercings and ear space all over the place. Right. And we're going right. through talking about tattooing uh, large animals and also doing like ear notching or um, putting tags in large animals. And um, they're like, well, doesn't that hurt? Like, do you do lidocaine first? And I'm like, did you ask for lidocaine before you got your nose pierced and your ears and your full sleeve? Um, right. You know, and it's like, oh, it's, it's the same process. It's just a different species. And it was really fun for them to go, oh, because a lot of them didn't have any exposure. Um, right. Yeah. And I did, right. I did a really cool science camp uh, at one point for, they were inner city youth um, and it was a farm-based camp. So they were all kids who were really smart, but didn't have any mm-hmm. exposure to farms. Um, mm-hmm. So they got to come to uh, OSU ATI and they got to go through all of the, they got to play in the labs. They got to go out and collect corn samples and then look at grain well, awesome. and then look at milk. Um, and their favorite part was the calves. Um, that was their mm, favorite part mm-hmm. of the whole, whole thing. Yeah. Um, but it was looking at the whole science of, you know, where does your food come from and how, oh, is, that's awesome. how does science and math interplay with farming? Um, and it was a really great time. And, um, but yeah, those kids, had, they had no experience with, with large animals. And I yeah. think that's the thing we have to remember is most people coming into tech school anymore don't. Um, yeah. The days when you have a lot yeah. of technicians who are coming from a farm background, um, right. It, it, it just doesn't exist anymore. Um, yes. So yeah. you also probably are not alone um, to yes. our writer. There are probably other people in your class who have the exact same feeling. So you can do a field trip to the large animal sanctuary together. Um, yes. And that can be a yeah. nice way to have some camaraderie, talk about your feelings. And, and you also get to see or talk about from someone else's eyes. Well, what do you see? Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. does that animal look comfortable? Do they look uncomfortable? Did he like getting scratched behind the ear when you touched him? Is mm-hmm. that okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll touch him too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I love that you brought up the the idea of, um, you know, rescues and, and sanctuaries and vol- volunteering. And that was going to be, um, that was going to be a, a step step for me as well. And I think, um, you know, Annie and I talk a lot on the podcast about um, how much n- neither of us is excited about social media anymore. And 
what I would say is that social media is a great resource here because um, there are so many, um, as we have seen the shift away um, culturally from funding for so many things, rescues and sanctuaries are one of those things. And so um, they uh, continue to exist um, most of them, I would, I would argue, off of the generosity of uh, patrons and donors. And so um, social media is a very powerful resource for them. And like you, we've got some awesome uh, programs near me. And um, there is someone who I followed uh, for, a, for a long time on social media. Um, and they have a, a farm animal sanctuary here in Washington. Um, and it is uh, on Alaska Farm Sanctuary. And I, and I love what they're doing because they purely exists to rescue farm animals, which I think is awesome and different. And they're a great example of lots of rescues are looking uh, and sanctuaries are looking at alternative um, options for exposing people to what to what they do and what they have. And so searching social media for what's out there in your area is a great idea. And the other thing that I have seen more and more of, which I think is so cool and, um, you know, OFA is a great example here in Washington is that uh, rescues and sanctuaries that have actual physical spaces. I've seen more of them um, also try and generate alternative income by having like um, an Airbnb or a hip site camping uh, site on their on their uh, grounds. And you can go not you can some of them offer work experience options where you can go and help clean to your point and, uh, you know, scoop, poop, shovel, whatever, there's always work to be done in a rescue in a sanctuary. And so um, you get the benefit of helping them out. And at the same time, the opportunities to just sit and watch. Like you said, I love that so much because I think I remember back to, to being in school, but I've seen it more as a manager. I was always a little bit hesitant because I was nervous of my own skills in school. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. And so I was always the, like, this was probably surprising people. I was probably one of the last people to raise my hand and say, I'll go. Um, because I was, it was not new. I was like you, I people give me people all day long. The yep. science was new for me. And so I had to really push myself out of my comfort zone there. Um, and I see this trend in our technicians. And I've seen this as a manager. And I'm, sh I'm guessing you've probably experienced it where I have more and more students who are assistants who go to tech school, and they want to skip from the 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 learning immediately to the doing and not only just the doing but the being successful because they think the only way to learn is to do right and i have to have i set everybody up as a as a manager with having the conversation and i make it very clear you don't skip the watching step in my practice, yep. like watching and observing and listening. And I'm not just talking about once, right. I'm talking about over and over and over because you learn so much. I spent two years at the front desk working with someone who was a, who was, uh, had, had a nutrition background. And I learned almost everything I know about veterinary nutrition by listening to her have the consults with clients on the phone. Right. And it was I wasn't getting to do anything fun or glamorous. I was literally listening to the same spiel over and over and over again. But I learned so much about dermatology, about, <laughs> about dental care, yeah. about like there was other facets of veterinary medicine that I learned so much about. And I was only getting that because I was observing the same things over and over and over again. And so I love your point about just sitting, especially when we're nervous, sitting 
sitting with the patients from a safe distance. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, exactly. Especially not if you're nervous. Them. Yeah, distance. Right. Yeah, or not when you're like, okay, get a blood draw on this patient because oh, right. you're in your clinical rotation, right? It's like, let's just yeah, sit and let's just take some time. Let's sit and watch. And that's, that is a big thing. I mean, and even in training my team, I mean, you're not going to be touching a patient um, until you have done a lot of observations. And then we have video cameras in all of our rooms that are there for teaching. Um, so they're recording the consult. And I love it because, again, when you set up video cameras right, that you're using them for education, it's awesome. My team will come to me and be like, hey, I think I missed something before that dog snapped. Can you pull the camera for me? Um, and they will they will use that to, again, help learn to that next step. And that's where video is another great way to learn. And there's so much stuff online. Um, you know, social media is great for finding those good, positive um, recipes and resources. And then also, you can also find a lot of cool stuff that's out there um, for educational videos on, you know, horse safety. Or um, I found a really cool one is called, what is it? Uh, Pasture IO. It's on cattle um, behavior. Oh, <laughs> who knew? That's awesome. Um, so yeah, yeah, so there's all sorts of cool stuff out there. Um, and then the RSPCA has a really cool um, a website for equine behavior. And I like the RSPCA because again, horses in Britain are, it's, it's kind of fun. They're everywhere. You just get on your horse and you just go right into town and have some coffee. Um, so it's, there's a whole different vibe. Um, the other thing is, you know, sometimes Europe and the UK, UK, when it comes to behavior, they're ahead of us. Um, like we're, we're kind of behind in some things behaviorally here in the States, um, compared to things that are allowed and not allowed, um, overseas. Um, but, always, anytime you're looking at any of these resources, if you're out there looking for cow videos or goat videos or something, look at, again, where's that coming from? Always do a resource right, check. The source. Um, yeah. Check your sources, check who wrote it, what degrees do they have? You're looking for DVMs, PhDs, um, certified applied animal behaviorist or associate certified applied animal behaviorist. Look at where it's coming from to make sure you're getting accurate information because um, that's always a big part because there is a lot of not good stuff out there, especially when it comes to behavior of animals. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we could, I'm sure yeah, we that's could do a whole, a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a whole other time. So, yeah. But no, I, I love that. And I think, um, I think, um, I will uh, come. I said when we got to action steps, we were going to come back to this because I think a, a big part of the final one, besides resources, and I have some, and we've talked, we've mentioned several of them, like low stress handling, fear free. We'll drop links to all of that in in the show notes for you. Um, and I expect we probably can uh, come up with some coupon codes for listeners as well for some of that resource info. So we'll we'll drop that. I love your links, and I'll pull those in. I think a big part of it, besides the observing, is um, is just recognizing that we're not going to be we're not going to be perfect in a day. And even when we come out of school and we are certified and we have passed the boards and we are we are we are technicians and there is a measurable pride in that. You don't know all the things. And veterinary medicine is one of those things that it just takes time and exposure and it is a journey. And that's what I constantly have to remind uh, my team and remind myself, you know, like you have been in this over 20 years and I still learn new things. And so recognizing that it's going to take time and exposure and just repeatedly doing things. And so I told everybody, like, I would share the other half of my uh, (laughs) Willie Bird story. And so that was it for me was just 
every day I was sitting in that office and I was like, okay, maybe now is the time to desensitize myself. Because I think part of it is just facing the fear and owning it and acknowledging that you have a fear. And the other part of getting over the fear is either choosing to not face the fear because it is a deal breaker and it is okay to say that you don't feel safe and that's a deal breaker for you. But if it's something that you want to face, then the desensitizing process, right? You got to try it. And sometimes that's baby steps leading up to it. And sometimes it's jumping all in and doing a thing and trying it. Um, and for me, it was like, okay. And so I was sitting 10 feet across the room, having a conversation <laughs> with this bird and I, every day. And I was just like, and the other thing besides the feather plucking was he was a biter. <laughs> but he was just like, he was talking to me every morning. And so I looked at him one day dead in the eye. And I was like, listen, Linda, I'm going to let you out. <laughs> and I was like, but you have to promise not to bite me. And I was so I remember being so nervous. And it, the funny part is now I would never do it because I'm like, what would I have done if he had escaped or th th so many things could have gone wrong. But I remember sitting there because I remember I remember Marty telling me like, he's not gonna hurt, he's not gonna really hurt you right. like it's fine. But I just was so irrational in the fear. And so I, I, I like started to lift the cage the cage door and I shut it because I was like, okay, I'm afraid. And then I started to lift it and he could sense it. And he immediately popped his head out from under the thing <laughs> and, crawl, and crawl, started to crawl up my arm. And I froze. I, I was mm -hmm. just like, oh yeah. my God, oh my God. And of course, being a parrot, he could, he sensed it and he knew and he walked right the hell up to my shoulder, <laughs> right next to my head. And I, I literally like shoulders up. I froze. Yeah. I'm like, don't move, don't move, yeah. don't so move. So this don't is move. flooding. This is not desensitization. This is flooding. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be I, was clear. Not <laughs> I was not intending i thought he'll come out and he'll sit on top of his cage and like it'll be you like had a conversation. Be he made a promise <laughs> like i said i would never do this i would never do this if i was doing it over but and so then that's how that's how marty found me like two two hours later when the rest of the team came in i'm sitting i'm sitting at our boss's desk and i'm frozen I managed to get over to the chair and just sit down. But that was it. Because I was like, if I move, he's going to bite me. If I move, he's going to bite me. And so, But then every day it was like, and I would look at him and I was like, don't bite me. And he and he didn't the whole the whole every day. And I was still afraid. But every day it got a little bit I was still stiff as a board. But every day it got a little bit easier. And I was never really I still now am not super easy around birds like they give me anxiety, I have to, like pep talk myself and deep breath. But I can like over time, I worked on restraint techniques and I, you yeah. know, and so now I'm like, okay. And, you know, hearing you talk about working with the Raptors, like how cool of an experience would that yeah. be? And there's a part of me now and young Stephanie would have thought and told you you were on all the drugs in the world <laughs> if you told me that I would like be excited yeah. about trying something like that. But hearing you talk about it, like that would be awesome. Yeah, I would. I would love that. And that only comes from facing the fear. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But that's where it's like, you don't always either uh, start with Raptors. I mean, and that's the thing when you're right. working at the rehab, they don't start you with the great horned owl. Right. I yes. mean, you're, you're going in <laughs> with God. like, okay, let's take care of the baby doves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like the doves that fell out of the nest. Here's some robins. Yes. Um, I mean, and that's the desensitization <laughs> process is, is you want right. to start with something below threshold. Um, you were mm -hmm. way above threshold with mm -hmm. your parent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stephanie so don't do what I did. Helplessness. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
yeah, but you, you're going to start below that threshold with things that are like, is like when we talk about, when I talk about it with my clients, I'm like, we're, your dog is uncomfortable with other dogs or kids on bikes. So we're not going right. to start with kid on a bike. Um, we're going to start with just a bike or just a kid, but we're also not going to start with them within five feet of you. We're going to find like, what's the point where they can see it and not be like panicked. Um, it's the same thing with me with the spider. That was kind of how like, like, okay, I was not going to walk in there, open the top and put the crickets in. (laughs) That was not happening after a couple of dates. Um, so that's where, um, it it takes time. Um, so we had to have conversations about the spider. We had to, I had to learn a little bit more about the spider. Like, okay, well, this isn't an arboreal spider. This is a little bit more of a terrestrial spider. Like it doesn't really move that much. And so I had to do Mm -hmm. some watching of the spider to confirm that it really didn't move that much. Um, Mm -hmm. And so then it was like, okay, well, it's not, this isn't bad. But then it's like, okay, going into the apartment going into the apartment, with right. next to the room with the room with the spider. Right. I mean, and then right. there's, you know, there's yeah. good dinners that are happening. I mean, there's chocolate, yeah. there's jewelry. <laughs> I mean, you need the positive reinforcement for doing these things, right? Um, my husband's actually standing in the kitchen so laughing at me right now. Because, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, so you know, much. it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. And then I'm like, okay, she's got this kind of cool terrarium and uh-huh. I can be in the, tra- and then you like, you would it's sit and watch her because I'm like, okay, what, mm-hmm. what are you doing behaviorally? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, right she really didn't do anything. So I was like, okay, you don't move. We're good. Um, Oh, that's okay. Um, And so then over time, I was able to lift the top and dump some crickets in Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because again, she didn't do anything. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it kind of walled me into a slight false sense of security because then we got Mm -hmm. a second spider. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was the arboreal type. (laughs) I was going to say, they move a lot more. But yeah, but again, it was a lot of like we got her and she was very small. She wasn't as big as the other spider. We were starting with the the hand size spider. Right. Um, Right. Die was, you know, like barely the end of your thumb. She was tiny. Um, And so it was like, oh, this is cool. This is a baby spider. (laughs) She's pretty Work her way up the hand size. (laughs) Um, Exactly. Yeah. And so it was like, all right. And so, but yeah, with her, she moved too much for me. So that was, that was a no-go. Um, until the day she got dehydrated. Um, and this is where I had a really hard time because it was like the technician kicked in. I can't right. let this poor little thing be dehydrated right. and not be okay. So I'm not liking spiders, finding myself Googling like spider nursing care. Um, you know, no. Something I never thought I would do. <laughs> um, but again, it was about like, okay, I got to find this information about this spider and what do I need to do? And there are things out there for spider nursing care if you have that emergency. Um, so yeah, so I had to get my little plastic containers and I got my little paper towels all wet and then I had to get her into a little box with the damp paper towels and the heat in to get her like rehydrated. Um, and it worked. And so, yeah, because it was kind of that, that technician oath of like, well, I can't let her die. Um, kicked in and I'm like, but it's a spider and it's really kind of creepy. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was that, 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 yeah. I got the instinct, took the instinct yep. over and I fixed the spider. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and she lived for a while. So she's cool. You were, yeah. you were a better human and a better technician than me. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'll do it again. He's like hissing cockroaches. And I'm like, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I think that's my hard line. <laughs> so I know they're only like 50 cents, but no. <laughs> so, and he's like, you just spent $1,700 on your cat's mouth. And I'm like, Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> He's a good cat. He's soft. Oh, my Congress gosh. Is not soft. 
Um, so yeah, they are fascinating to watch behaviorally, but I don't know. I want them in my house. Oh my gosh. This has been so much fun. I feel like, uh, I see more Amanda, uh, Schwarzwalder episodes in the future because holy cow, like we could talk, uh, forever. There are so many things. Uh, but this this has been fun. I love uh, love your your perspective. Um, you are one of our uncharted speakers, and so um, you are at our uh, our team lead summit um, in twenty twenty three, and um, more more things to come. Where can, are you on? Speaking of social media, are you on social media? Where can people find you if they're interested in behavior, the clinic, or any of that kind of stuff? So um, the clinic is thebehaviorclinic.com. Um, and you can, you can read your own there, you can the reach page. Me through there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, people are always welcome to direct email me with any questions. I am always recruiting for the specialty, um, specialty okay. is avbt.net. Um, and, uh, that is a great way. Again, we have a huge recommended reading page, which has large, small animal sources, exotics, bunch of reading materials awesome. there. So if you want, again, awesome. more, more links, we got those. Um, and yeah, you can always reach out to me directly by my email. Um, it's rvtvtsmanager at gmail.com. And I'm happy to answer any that. questions because I would like to retire someday. And I can't do that <laughs> without having another without VTS to take my place. So yeah, I love it. I will, uh, I will put Amanda's email in the show notes as well. Uh, this has been wonderful. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, this this fun break from the two of us and uh, we will see you all back next week yeah thank you so much for having me it's been a blast thank you take care everybody have a great rest of your week well gang that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast and as always this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.